Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm really excited about this morning. Really excited. Sometimes when I uh, teach here, I teach things I'm very familiar with. Sometimes I teach things I think are necessary for us to hear. Sometimes I teach things that I think God is putting in my heart to teach, you know. It's a kind of a mixture. Today, this message is so important to me. And I think it's important to me because I hope it will be important to many, many people here. Um, I want to talk about the forgotten gifts of God or hidden treasure. 1 Corinthians 12 is a passage about gifts. And uh, verse 12 begins this. The body is a unit. You all with me? Though it is made up of many parts... And though all of its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. (laughs) I want to read that again. In fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, Those parts of the body, and this is what I'm going to preach on today, verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I want you to say that with me. Those parts of the body, say it please, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What does indispensable mean? It means we can't do without them. It's impossible to live without them. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I.e., they're not weaker at all, they just seem to be weaker. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Just keep your Bible open. Let me introduce this topic to you today. This is a Pentecostal church. We believe in 
supernatural gifts of God. By God's grace, we'll witness some of these later on today. We believe in, and not just believe in, like I read it so I just believe it, but we believe in promoting, training, encouraging, praying into, exercising, making mistakes with sometimes, gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in not prophecy for yesterday, but prophecy for today. We believe in that Jesus can heal people today. We believe these things are real. We go for them. We try to exercise them. We are not always successful in their excellence, but we, we're heading in that direction. We believe that God can give wisdom and knowledge and extraordinary information to people sometimes to help, to uh, help them. We believe in these things. We believe in speaking in tongues, an impossible thing to do, yet under God's unction, perfectly natural to do. We believe in these things. But there can come a danger. The danger is not, not forsaking any of those things I've just said, because they're really important things. But here's a question. There comes a danger that maybe these things are seen as more important because sometimes they are more spectacular. They, these gifts can be seen as more important or more to be sought after than other gifts that people might have that really are still sourced from God but they don't carry a sort of a spectacular nature about them. Someone asked me last week what what are the things that give me life? And I've been thinking about that. And I said to him, I bumped into him again, and I said, well, one of the things that gives me life is music. I love music. Don't you love music? I don't know how people can write songs. I don't understand that. Music is ex- extraordinary. A composer, for example, who can write beautiful music, don't we think that that person has a kind of a gift to do that? I do. It's not exactly a spiritual gift in the way that we were reading here but somebody has a gift it's not a miraculous gift but if you see someone's incredible skill or maybe with art or something like that you say wow God has blessed this person exactly the same thing can happen in a local church you can have people who are skilled at preaching and you know, music and things like that, even spiritual, miraculous types of gifts. And these can, unfortunately, be sort of elevated, and maybe not elevated by the people themselves, but elevated by others looking on, that somehow this is more special than someone else's ability to fix a cupboard. Or to uh, have compassion on the poor. So today what I want to do is I want to look at two or three passages of the Bible, time permitting, where gifts of God are described 
And I don't think this is an exhaustive list. By that, mean, by that I mean there may be ways that we can understand gifts that are not in the text itself, but just a sense of God, you know, gifts people. And I want to I ask the question, what gifts of God are among us here? Perhaps people who are not going to be not going to be powerfully used in some miraculous prophetic gift or something like this. Not going to go to China and raise the dead. Maybe, of course. But people, nevertheless, who have the most extraordinary gifts. So let's begin by looking at some of these. God gifts everyone for ministry. I think that's maybe a key thing. When we're talking about gifts, how do you know when something is a, a gift that God is placing and using? It's because it's being used for others. It's being used for others. That's what makes it ministry, when it's being used in the service of others. God's business is always others. There was a time when William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was asked, if he could write a one-word sermon. Imagine that. A one-word sermon. So he wrote it. It was the word others. There you are. That's my one word. Others. God gives ev- gifts everyone for ministry. Everyone. God has given you gifts to, to help other people. It may be a blessing to you, but... It's to help other people. It's to help other people in God's name. That when you are a blessing to them, using your gift, listen, it's as though God himself has blessed them, not you. And some of these gifts, I don't like this word, but I've had to use it. They're unspectacular, aren't they? They are unspectacular in terms of, you know, popular opinion. Some of these guys who walk onto talent shows, like X Factor or Britain's Got Talent or whatever. And they walk on and they sing and everyone's amazed. But guess what? The guy who invented the HD camera is more talented than the singer. <laughs> but we don't see that. The people working behind the scenes, now they're skilled. Without them, there would be no X Factor. There would be no singer on TV. If no one had invented the TV. So it's all about these gifts working together. Some are spectacular. But others may seem unspectacular. But they're not unspectacular to God. And they shouldn't be to us. Okay. We're in Romans 12. And I want us to read a little bit more of it. Where more gifts are uh, expressed by the Apostle. So Romans 12, flicking back, and verse 6, Paul says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Well, that's a spectacular gift. But then look what he does. Verse 7. If it is serving, let him serve. 
If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, just from that list, this is what I wrote up this week. Here are the gifts that Paul brings to our attention. Now, of course he mentions prophesying, but we'll leave that one to the side because we're familiar with that. But look at these other types of gifts that Paul talks about. We should be seeing these gifts in operation among us. And as by way of apology, the leadership of this church, namely, in this case, namely me, should be encouraging these things. And I'm not sure that I have. And I want to apologize for that today. And I want to begin an, a whole new slate on this. Because we want to see these types of gifts being encouraged as well. You may not be a great singer, but you could be a great servant. Can you say amen? The Bible says that one of the greatest things we can be is a servant. The Bible doesn't say the greatest thing we can be is Susan Boyle. The greatest thing we can be is a servant. Now there are There is a call from God for all of us to be servants. But God gifts certain people in certain ways. To be servants. There's another expression. Helps ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 describes a gift of helps. What is a gift of helps? A gift of helps is someone who goes and makes a difference when someone says help. That's what that gift is. During the first few years of me being in this church, I had a young man, and it's hard to call him a young man because he towered over me. And anything I wanted him to do, he did. He's a Sri Lankan guy. Anything I wanted him to do, he did. Now, there were other brilliant people over those years. Some are no longer here, but brilliant people serving God and using their gifts. But this young man, he, was, he never preached. He never sang. He never, was, he never joined the leadership team. But he was a servant. And I want to say that without people like him, this church wouldn't be here today. He wouldn't be here today. There are all these amazing gifts. Gifts of leadership and administration. Now, we're kind of familiar perhaps in church with leadership, meaning the people who get up and preach sometimes. But it's very interesting. In the Bible, the word for leadership, the word for administrator, is the same word used of the pilot of a ship. You might remember in the book of Acts, uh, Paul is on board a boat. And there's a captain on the boat. And it's the same word. Someone who 
brings guidance, someone who steers things in a certain direction. You may not have the ability to get up and preach, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you as a leader. Certain people can just get things done. Certain people have a passion in them to get things done. They have an ability to get people to kind of follow them to a certain, to a greater or lesser degree. And they can, they can organize things. Their heart is in it. And in the future, as we grow, as this church grows, as the building is changed, and we go into a whole new era of the ministry here, and I encourage you to stay with us on the journey all the way to the end. We're going to need a whole lot more leaders. Now, these leaders may not be speaking from here and expounding the Word of God because that's the job of a, of a teacher. But it's possible to be a leader and not have this kind of leadership, but other kinds of leadership. Organizing things, running things, bringing uh, strength to something, being responsible, being in charge of something. And every day, let me tell you, you'll wake up and you'll say, Lord, why have I got this job? I don't feel equipped. It should be someone else. Let me, let me promise you, that most days I wake up and say that about myself. What am I doing, doing this? But I'm called. I may not be the best. No, let me rephrase that. I am not the best. But I'm called. And some of the people in this room, you're not the best. But you're called. So you're going to obey God. And you're going to do it. Gifts of administration. Some of the leaders that I rub shoulders with in Cambridge, some of the other pastors, I wish they had the gift of administration. When I show up and they haven't shown up, I wish they had the gift of administration. Yes, I am venting my spleen. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, where were you? The gift of encouragement. Well, I guess a preacher is encouraging, but I think there's other kinds of encouragement. There's a fabulous lady who used to come to this church, Joy Genja. Can you say amen? amen. Say amen like she can hear you. Amen. Yeah, you can't get away from Joy Genja without her telling you the devil's a liar and you're going to do it. <laughs> Isn't that right? The other day she showed up here, she came around the back, saw the new toilet block, she said, praise God, look at this, the devil's a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Said, this is it now, she said, your position now, it's all going to grow, revival's coming. I thought, I'm glad you showed up today, Joy. I don't know if she has the gift of administration, but she sure has the gift of encouragement. You want to get around people like that? The gift of encouragement. You think, oh, it's 
you know, it's just me. I, I can't string a couple of words together. I'm not about to come on the platform and dance. Well, praise God for that. These amazing, amazing gifts. Generosity in giving. Now, we have to be careful with this, lest people say, well, I just don't have this gift. <laughs> it's the same with a servant. There is a gift of an evangelist, but it doesn't mean we're not all called to do it. There's a gift of a servant, but it doesn't mean we're not all called to be serving in some way. There's a gift of giving, but it doesn't mean we're not, we don't all have a responsibility to give. But there are certain people, aren't there, who see it as their life mission to raise money and to put it into the kingdom of God. I had one young man who used to uh, come to this church. He was a student. He was a student. And uh, he would say to me, I said, well, what are you called to do? He said, well, I'm called to raise money and to put it in the kingdom of God. And do you know what? I believe him. I believe him. I think that's what he's called to do. Some people have a a sense of wanting to be generous in their giving. Now, that doesn't mean that the rest of us don't carry that responsibility. But some people have a gift. Showing mercy is another one. Showing mercy in the Bible, in Bible language, normally means people who look after the poor. People who have a, a heart within them that says, do you know what? Uh, these people are being neglected or the, the the system has failed these people. I am going to do something about it. And I want to tell you this, and I want to encourage you with this. If you have that within you, that sense of I need to help people who are downtrodden, it may not just be your upbringing. It may not just be the influences upon you. It may even be a divine call of God upon your life. And do you know what? If you could go around to someone's home and mend their fridge, or as we've done with uh, a recent family attached to the church, go around and paint it and clean it and sort it out. Don't you know that that might be a bit more valuable to that person than someone bursting in through the door saying, I've come to sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> Amazing Grace. And meanwhile, the cupboard's collapsing on the floor. There's a rat come out from underneath the fridge. Let's show the amazing grace by getting the rat out of the fridge. And whatever else may be in there. No. There are, there are all kinds of gifts. If you meet a man drunk on the street in the middle of the night... The best thing you can do for him is not give him a prophecy. The best thing you can do for him is to help him. Isn't that right? So what is the best gift? Well, the best gift is very simple. It's the one the person needs at the time. It's the one the person needs at the time. Look at these amazing gifts. Serving and helping. Giving encouragement, generosity, leadership. 
Leadership. Running things. Helping. Do you know, sometimes I think this church would be completely lost without the people who make the tea around here. And I don't even drink tea. But all our roles are so important. So important. I wonder if you've ever had trouble with a company like Sky or Virgin Media. Oh, everyone went, yeah. Some went, both. And you get on the phone and you say, look, my internet's not working or my, you know, you can't say my phone's not working because you're phoning them. But, you know, uh, this isn't working. And the guy says to you, hello, my name is Wayne and I will help you. And he says, I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call you back and we're going to sort it out. You say, okay. You put the phone down and you wait. An hour goes by. Your beard begins to grow. Two days, three days, four days. Wayne does not phone you back. Who is Virgin Media to you? Not Richard Branson. Wayne is Virgin Media to you. When you go into a restaurant and the waitress is there, she's called Sally. Let's call her Sally. Oh, I'm sorry, Sally. Oh, let's call her something else. Trisha. Any? Have we got any Trishas here? Oh. Right, we, we are calling her Sally. So Sally is your waitress. Sally is your waitress at Pizza Hut. For that hour that she's with you, Sally is Pizza Hut. If she's rude to you, Pizza Hut have been rude to you, right? If she's great with you, Pizza Hut have been great with you. So who's King's Church? Well, have a look in the mirror. It's you. Sometimes it's more important when people come to the church. The stewards are more important than the singers, the preacher, the musician. They're, they're, they're more important. A friendly welcome or someone speaking to you, that's more important than people who might seemingly look like they're supposed to be in charge. You are the face of Jesus to people. You, not someone else. You. You with your gifts of helps. You with your serving spirit. You with your ability to encourage or to show mercy or to be generous. Do you understand? You are the church. And sometimes it's more important what you say to someone over coffee than what I say for an hour in here. Let's look at a few more gifts. Let's look at a few more. Go to the book of Exodus. We're doing okay for time. The book of Exodus. There's nowhere to go and it's raining. In fact, it's raining quite a lot. I can see the animals coming in two by two at the back. 
We've got all day. There's not an important tennis match on or anything like that. Exodus chapter 35. We've still got some more gifts. I hope you've already begun to see yourself in some of these things. But there's more. Now here we have a collection of Old Testament names. So I'll do my best. I think sometimes reading Old Testament names needs a special gift all by itself. But verse 30 of Exodus 35. You with me? You with me? Say aye. Okay. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And just look at this, verse 31. He has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts. Verse 32. To make artistic designs. To make artistic designs. For work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut and set stones. To work in wood. And to engage in all kinds of artistic craft, craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Ahuliab, son of, uh, someone's son, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He gave this person this artistic gift and gave them also the ability to teach others how to do it. They're two very different gifts. Verse 35, he has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them, master craftsmen and designers. Let's look at a few more gifts. Here they are. Wisdom, insight and teaching. Okay, we'll take that as read. Some people have wisdom, they can teach. we we'll take that as read. But what about these other ones? Whoop, let me go back. Gifts of construction. Artists, designers, and even tailors is in the list. We know that the, the guy working with the linen, he was doing the cloth for the sanctuary, you know, the curtains and various things. But we also know the high priest had a bit of a fancy outfit that the man would have had a hand in designing. The Bible doesn't say that these things were accidents. The Bible says that these gifts were given by the Spirit of God. Construction. Uh, the ability, did we not read it, to cut wood, arrange wood and stones. There's a good one. There's a blessing. A gift of construction. Thank God for people who can construct things. It's a gift of God. Given by the Spirit of God. You say, well, you know, I don't have any special abilities. Look, if 
if you can get something from Ikea and make it, you're anointed. <laughs> yeah. You are anointed by God. You are anointed by God. You can construct something, build something. Know how it all fits together. Thank God for people like you. And sometimes you're more valuable than someone coming into someone's home and giving them some revelation or some prophecy. A prophecy is good, but repairing my fridge, now that, that's God. And here we have designers, artists, people who can design things, computers or not computers. Art isn't something that touches me deeply, but I know it it touches many people very deeply. I mentioned earlier, I'm moved by music. Other people moved by art. I've never understood the people who go into galleries and they're, look at this. But I'm not making fun. Okay, well, I guess I am. But I don't mean it. Because something's happening there. If I did the art, they'd be going, but it'd be a different, it'd be a different pitch. Brilliant. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says it just wasn't what your dad taught you or the fact that you were good at art at school. It was a gift of God. Some people say, well, how can it be a gift of God when I've had this all my life? I even had this gift before I was a Christian. Well, of course you had the gift before you were a Christian. Because God formed you, knitted you together in your mother's womb, correct? Before I was a Christian, in my teenage years, I fancied myself as a stand-up comedian. How many of you know that tiny traces of that have followed me right through to the present day? It didn't just happen at conversion. I was always up loafing around. Loafing, I meant oafing. <laughs> Some of you, you've had gifts all your life. They, they were put in you when you were born. And they need to be manifest for such a time as this. So, well, we have natural gifts and we have supernatural gifts. Do we really? We have supernatural looking gifts. But our God is supernatural. Amen? Amen? He is. Su- so if God gives a gift, it is a gift from a supernatural God to someone. Now that doesn't mean you can call it a miracle if you, you know, put up a shelf. Be if I put up a shelf, that'd be a sign and a wonder. Hey, just enough of that. She said, it would. And of course we're amazed when someone with cancer, we pray for them and the cancer goes. Of course we're amazed. We're supposed to be amazed. And that is amazing. But God gives gifts. For the use, for, for the whole of our lives. Let's look at one more. First Peter. 
chapter 4. Just one more. 1 Peter 4. Hospitality. Verse 9. It says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) Isn't that great? Without grumbling. Oh no. The Smiths are coming round tonight. Why did you invite the Smiths around? I don't know. I just felt I had to. Offer hospitality without grumbling. And then verse 10 just hints at something else, you see. It says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. There's a little hint, isn't there? That the hospitality, as far as Peter is concerned, is a gift. Now it's true. Everyone can have everyone over for coffee. Everyone. But some people, they know how to do it, don't they? They are hospitality. Everywhere, everywhere they go, they're looking to invite people to their home or they're looking to cater or they always want a cake, you know, always want to bake a cake or prepare something. They're, you know, astonishing people. They have a certain gift of hospitality. When you uh, go to their home, you don't, it's not awkward, you know, they, they have a gift. They have a gift and they can look after people. It's a supernatural ability. It's a God-given skill. It's a God-given desire and it's a God-given gift. If someone feels alone, someone feels friendless, someone is depressed or sad, there couldn't be anything more wonderful than to be invited over somewhere where there is love and laughter and joy and acceptance and it ministers to that person in a powerful way. Now you could take them to the side and speak in tongues over them. You could do. But, but far more powerful, someone with a gift of hospitality, loving them, looking after them, is powerful. I want to suggest to you, it's a bit better than speaking in tongues over them at the front of a church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, ministering to them. I have a very, very difficult task tomorrow. I have a very dear friend who's not well at all. I'm going to go and see him, travel many miles. I've got to pray with him. But the best thing I can do for him is have a bit of time with him. I've got to give him a bit of my hospitality, if you like. Because it's powerful. It can help people. Change them and bless them. So what I want to do today, we are done.
I just want to thank God for the, the gifts that God has placed among us. And to remember this verse, verse 22, and we said it to one another earlier, I want to remind you of it again now as we finish, that the gifts that some people think are weaker are indispensable. The gifts that people think are weaker are indispensable. That means we can't do without them. We can't do without them. So I'm calling on the, on the hidden treasure. I want to apologize if the if the the sense of the way we've sometimes been more impressed by the spectacular has been a, a part of any church you've been in or this church. Because actually, there are people who can make an incredible, powerful difference to the lives of that special word we used earlier, others. And if today we haven't mentioned a gift that you have, if amongst these things we've spoken about, it's not quite been what you feel you can do, let me assure you that the word helps should cover over everything that all of us can do. To be helpful. To be helpful. And in the next few weeks, we'll say a bit more about this. Maybe not in preaching, but we'll say a bit more about this. And we want to gather together some of you more practical people who can make things, do things, clean things, paint things. And we want to give an Olympic torch to you. To say, it's, now we encourage you and cheer you on to run with that ministry. Last night we watched a couple of more senior ladies running down Mill Road. In fact, I was worried about the running. They couldn't run, surrounded by motorbikes, policemen. and They couldn't have run if they wanted. But they ran down Mill Road, everyone cheering. Let me tell you, from this day, we're going to start cheering the builders, the makers, the cleaners, the helpers, the encouragers. There's a baton for you. There's a torch for you to run with. And you're going to run. And we're going to keep on cheering the miracle workers, the teachers, the preachers, the prophet. We're still going to cheer these people, the evangelists. But the body of Christ being mobilized. And I want you to feel encouraged. I want you to feel released. I want you to feel there's a sense of something coming, especially for you. Where you can put your hand to the plow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in our city. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, 
or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.